right, everybody, and welcome, and thank you again for worshiping here. You could be anywhere in the world, but you chose to worship in this place right now. So let's go ahead and sing together. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors and he parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the
singing about being in the house of the Lord, God our Father. And we just sang about how Jesus is worthy of his name and he is worthy of our praise. So now let's take a moment and be intentional about our time with the Holy Spirit. You can sit, you can close your eyes, stand, whatever you do though, be at peace. Be reflective in this time. For some people, the Holy Spirit may cause feelings of overwhelm. It may even bring you to tears. And for other people, the tears may never come or rarely come. And that's okay, because in the Holy Spirit, he can produce a subtle feeling of gratitude or peace, reverence or love. Some may feel his warmth inside of him. Some just a sense of a powerful presence. And even if you don't feel any of those things, still just rest quietly in the confidence that he is with you and he dwells in you. And as you listen, know that his spirit is speaking to your heart, leading and instructing you. It is always more important to know the Holy Spirit rather than to feel the Holy Spirit. And reflect on that as we sing together.
want to be aware of his presence and to experience his goodness. And that's why we're gathered here today. I'm so glad that you decided to join us. Welcome to PCC. I'm Mark Tapscott, your online pastor. Now, one of the things that we're always trying to do here at PCC is to help you connect. Connect with God, with our church, and with others. And a great way for you to be able to do that is by submitting a Connect card. Now, you can do that on our website or simply click on the link in the chat. Now, you might say, I don't see the chat. Well, to see the chat, you just sign into the service by clicking the sign-in button on your screen. Then you can see the links that we post, and you can say hi to our awesome host. And I'm so glad that you're here today. But I'm really excited to tell you about what's happening around PCC next week. Now, next Sunday is Father's Day. And we're going to celebrate the fathers and the father figures in our lives with three things that dads love. Cars, coffee, and coolers. Now, our physical campuses will be displaying some awesome cars. And you can also win a cooler full of goodies and enjoy a cup of coffee with the guys. And you won't want to miss that. Now, it's almost summertime, and our online campus will be starting two summer groups that will meet by Zoom. The first group is a study of 10 Old Testament stories. And we will see how these stories help tell the one story of redemption found in the Bible. Now, the other group is for songwriters. This group will give songwriters a forum to share their songs and the stories that go with them. And it's open to all levels of talent. You can come and just listen if you like, but you have to sign up so we can send you the Zoom link. So join a group, meet some new people this summer. You see, we're a quarter of the way through our church's two-year vision called Beyond. And a huge part of that vision is going beyond ourselves. Now, almost 150 people will be doing just that this summer by going on mission with our church. You see, throughout the Bible, we read how God chose and sent people to be his messengers. Inherent in these stories is the people's willingness to go when called. Now, the prophet Isaiah, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And to this, Isaiah replies, Here I am, Lord, send me. Now, later in the time after Jesus, a man that we know is Paul, who at the time was called Saul, and a fellow minister named Barnabas were worshiping when the Spirit of the Lord said to them and the church. He said, Set apart Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. This was their commissioning as missionaries. And today we get to be the church setting apart people for God's work. This summer, people at all of our campuses are responding to God's call to go beyond themselves in our, in our country and internationally. So let's join our service back in the big room so we can all pray together for these missionaries. Later, in the time of Jesus, two men named Paul and Barnabas were worshiping when the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, said to the church, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, he was called Saul at the time, for the work for which I have called them. This was their commissioning as missionaries, and today we get to be a church setting apart people for God's work. This summer, people at all of our physical campuses are responding to God's call to go beyond themselves in our country and internationally. So as we send them out today, we agree that these are the right people at the right time to do God's good work in the world. So we confirm these people as they go to Walterboro, South Carolina, where a hundred students and adults will make critical repairs to families in need. To Belize, where they will lay the groundwork literally for a preschool at Calvary Baptist Church 
to Tanzania where they will visit students sponsored by many of you in this room and build another classroom at a school that educates nearly 300 kids. We send them to remote villages on the Amazon River where they will share the good news of Jesus through camps and medical needs and all sorts of other things. And to Kentucky, where they will return to help rebuild a town wrecked by a natural disaster. Guys, all of this is happening this summer. And these teams have said, here I am, send me. So we send you guys out, trusting that your work, that these people work will answer the prayers of people who've been asking God for relief and bring the love of Jesus to those near, here, and far away. So we're gonna pray for you guys in just a minute. And we ask though that all summer, you guys, everyone in the seats here and online would continue to pray for them as they travel and serve. We've put a list together of everybody who's gone on any of these trips. You can get that in the information center or on any of the black tables out in the atrium when you leave here today. We hope that you'll pray with them all summer, but I wanna start right now. So let's pray together. God, what an amazing gift and honor it is to know that the places we're going, the work we're participating in, God, you've already been there, you've already started. In some cases, God, this will be, we've been going for decades to this place to help these people, but all for your glory. So whether somebody here on any of our teams is going for the first time or the 50th time, God, would you give us courage to speak your truth would you give us boldness to act in such a way that reflects your goodness? And ultimately, God, would you give us a heart of obedience to do whatever you ask us to do? God, it may not even be the thing we expect, but God, one thing we know for sure from you is to expect the unexpected, God. It's gonna be amazing. Thank you for the gift of being able to do this alongside you. So we send them out for your work right here, right now, God. We love you. We thank you. Amen. Yeah, let's give it up. Y'all can go ahead and sit back down. Thank you guys so much for saying yes to going. It's gonna be a wild, amazing summer here at PCC. You know, these folks are going out on mission with one of our teams this summer, but the truth is, is that everyone in here has a part to play in going beyond ourselves. Because when you give here, when you support your church financially, you make it possible for us to send teams all over the country and the world to meet needs and to show people Jesus. So if you're already doing this, if you're already going beyond with us, thank you so much, seriously. But if you haven't, then you can start today. You can start anytime. You can give safely and securely online on our website or in any of the black boxes in this room or in the atrium. Come and see. Come do this with us and give. It's gonna be an amazing summer. Would you pray with me and thank God one more time for this. God, thank you that you take our gifts, that you take our generosity, God, and you turn it into something that we could have never imagined. Lord, we ask you to do that now with our resources, empowering the teams that you're sending. God, also enabling the rest of us who won't be a part of the team boots on the ground to know that we're still playing an active role in it. God, when your whole church mobilizes for your mission, 
the world changes. We look forward to seeing that, even a glimpse of it this summer. We thank you and we love you. Amen. Hey, why don't we continue to worship by singing together. If you're able, stand back up. Let's sing one more song.
let your will be done. It's time to go where we have never gone. Take us beyond what our eyes can see, what our hearts can dream. We want everything you want for us. Oh, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. It's time to go where we Well, what we've all gotten to be a part of today is more than just the sacrifice of time and money for people who are going to help others here, near, and far away. The commissioning of the mission teams from PCC is just the latest reminder that God is at work through his church. You and I, whether we're going or not, whether we know it or not, we're all blessed just to be a part of it because people's lives are being changed in a literal way in our backyard and across the world. Our lives are being changed. And this has been going on throughout our entire 21-year history as a church. What began in my living room with a handful of people and an impossible dream miraculously exploded and became the first iteration of PCC. And we thought that was it. One church and one location in this place called Powhatan, but God's dream was bigger because God's dream is always bigger. And so that single campus morphed into a second location experiment that we were so not equipped to do. But God was at work, and that experiment became our Midlothian campus. And then a small and powerful force to the west they, they gutted an old jeans factory, turned into a hardware store, and they turned it into a church. And that became our Riverside campus. And then another church who had been following uh, PCC asked if they could donate to us their land and their building and become PCC, and our Farmville campus was born. And then a group of folks who are strangely proud to be called those crazy people to the east joined us and became our ailet campus. And in the meantime, while some of that was going on, we were gathering a family of guys in a men's prison and they became our Nottaway campus. And just last week, we launched with over a hundred women in the Goochland Correctional Facility and our VCCW campus was born. The truth is we have been missionaries from day one around here. All of us, every person who's ever served on the dream team and made our, made our church happen, been a part of making our church happen every single week. Every person who has sacrificed some of your hard-earned money to help us get it all done. Every person who has led a small group or supported mega camp or championed students or smiled at cars while wearing an orange vest and waving at people in the pouring down rain. 
Every coffee pot filled up, every wall paint freshened up, every stage light turned up, every struggling person lifted up, it's all mission work. We're on mission. PCC's mission has been clear from the very beginning. In case you don't know, our mission is to reach people who don't go to church so that every person possible can experience the fullest lives possible through Jesus. We are on mission. I'm one of the ones going this summer. I'm going to Tanzania with a team of people and we'll help build and expand a classroom for this, this school we've been supporting there. And we're gonna do a PCC style mega camp for some kids there, like hundreds of kids have signed up. We didn't expect that, but we better be ready because they're coming. And we're gonna take a video team and they're gonna help all of us see the work that you're helping make happen 8,000 miles away. I go. I think you should go, but just because you can't or just because you haven't yet or just because you aren't able to this year does not mean you're not a missionary. If you're a part of PCC, you are. You are a missionary. And that mindset that we're on mission, it's a significant part of our success. We're uber-focused. And when you study organizations, churches and otherwise, and I have, and you ask why, what makes a successful organization, you'll find that one thing they all have in common is focus. They know why they exist and they mostly stick to it. When they get off course, when they veer significantly from their core mission, that's when they're usually gonna get in trouble. We have generally mostly stayed focused. But there's another reason that I would argue that we've been able to accomplish so much. I would say it's because of wisdom. And if this sounds self-aggrandizing or egotistical, I don't really mean that I'm particularly wise. I'm actually referring to a gift that God wants to give every one of his followers, the gift of wisdom. It's a gift. You might not have ever thought about yourself this way, but it's a gift that God wants to give you, the gift of wisdom. So in this series, we've been looking at some swag, some, some of the gifts that God wants to give to all of us, to followers of Jesus. Let me quickly recap. It, we've been looking at this from the book of Ephesians. In week one, chapter one, we saw that God chose us. God wants to give you the gift of adoption, the gift of being family with him, with the rest of us, him as the parent and us as his children. And then once we accept the offer of adoption, the gift of adoption, God wants to give us life, the best kind of life, real, full, complete, overflowing life here and after here. And then we saw in chapter three that God wants us to have power, the very power that created life and all that exists is a power God wants to make available to you. And then last week we talked about unity. Unity is the gift that seems to be in short supply these days with the whole world and even our own country seemingly determined to tear itself apart. But God wants you and me to be, to be different. Unity is a gift he wants to give us, but we have to claim it and we have to pursue it. So those are four chapters, four gifts in the book of Ephesians. Today we get to chapter five and the gift God wants to give us is wisdom and Paul tells us about it like this. The apostle Paul wrote this, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So I'm gonna ask all of us at all of our campuses online, wherever you are right now, I'm gonna ask you to read these three verses out loud with me. Here we go. Be very careful then how you live. 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. When I study the Bible, I often look at other English versions. This part of the Bible was written in ancient Greek and you know, communication, uh, even when we're you know, uh, natural English speakers, we don't always communicate all that well. So they have to translate this through time and dialect and all that stuff. And so you get a little bit of a different uh, uh, explanation or interpretation in each English version. I like to peruse the different English versions. And there's one that I often glance at, but I don't, I don't refer to all that much. It's a lesser known English translation of the Bible. It's called The Voice. And in the voice version of the Bible, this part up here, it says, don't run around like idiots as the rest of the world does. Instead, walk as wise. Don't run around like idiots as the rest of the world does. It may not be a word-for-word translation of Paul's letter, but it sort of sums it up. Don't be an idiot. I, I tried to get stickers made so we could all put them on our cars. You know, Passion Community Church, don't be an idiot. You know? The communications team vetoed it. I don't really know why. So. So actually, Paul's better advice is the point he's really trying to make is not don't be an idiot. It's simply, simply saying, be wise, be wise. He's saying you get to decide how you live. Don't be unwise, but be wise. I love Chinese food. A shout out from all of our campuses. Who's our, who are Chinese food people? You like Chinese food? Oh, wow. A lot of us in here. Okay, so I like Chinese food. And I, I know already uh, there's some health, health food people here who are uh, dying to tell me how uh, unhealthy Chinese food is. I already know. Uh, that's why I only eat it once a week. Okay. So once a week, about once a week, Susan and I, we place our to-go order from our favorite local place, and we always get the same thing. We always get the same thing, because once you find perfection, it's best not to mess it up. So I always order the same thing. I get shrimp and scallops, not hot and garlic sauce, because I don't do hot. I don't do spicy of any kind. You want to know why? Because it won't be hot in heaven, because it'd be in the other place. Okay. So shrimp and scallops, not hot and garlic sauce, and Susan always gets cashew chicken, and we both get fried rice. When I, order, when I place the order, I'll get the same order every time. I always, that's all I say. What I just said to you is all I say. When I pick the bag up, there are always some other things inside that I didn't order. There's soy sauce, because you got to add that. Super important. And then there's always some fortune cookies. One for each of us. Because nothing tops off a great Chinese meal like a buttery vanilla cookie with a dose of wisdom on the inside. I love opening my fortune cookie. I always open it up and Susan and I cross from each other and I hold up my little piece of wisdom. She says, what does it say? I say, tonight's your lucky night. <laughs> Can't argue with Confucius, honey, I'm just saying. She says, that's not what it says. She grabs it and takes it away from me and it says, you're going to bed early and it'll be lame and peaceful. Great. So I thought we'd open up a few of these. I don't, these aren't staged. I don't have no idea what's in them. I went to a Chinese, not long ago, went to dinner with a good friend of mine. I opened up my fortune cookie at the end of the meal. There was nothing inside of it. Yeah, that's what I said. Man, this is not good. Ooh, there it is. Pleasures await you by the seashore. Okay, we're in a house at the beach. All right, let's try another one. Let's, let's try this one. Let's see. Oh, the winning lottery numbers. Great. You could make a name for yourself in the field of medicine. (laughs) 
I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. There's some things I'd like to say about that. Okay, let's see what this is. Just one more. Okay. Tonight's your lucky night. All right. Praise the Lord. Save that one for Susan. You know what? I better put that. <clears throat> Did you know that fortune cookies are not a part of Chinese tradition? They're, the, I did not know this. Some, some of you apparently know. I didn't know it. Apparently, uh, they're an American addition to the Chinese dinner experience. I, uh, the origin story is really muddy. You get different versions of how it started. But what everybody agrees on is that it didn't come from China. It's not part of Chinese tradition. So uh, the question you know, still begs then, you know, so how do we get wisdom? Like, is this where wisdom comes from? Tiny strips of paper miraculously sealed into vanilla baked cookies? I mean... Of course, we know that it's not. So what is the origin? Where does wisdom really come from? If fortune cookies don't have it or, or whatever, where do we get it? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul wants to tell us. Let's return to Paul's words. He doesn't just tell us to be wise, which frankly is not all that helpful. He actually tells us how to be wise. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So he begins his part up here. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. What he's talking about here is awareness. He's talking about awareness. That's what he means when he says, be very careful how you live. He's saying, hey, listen, pay attention. Don't just run through life. Be aware of how you're living. Do you even know how you are living your life? Maybe once a year or so, uh, Susan and I go to uh, some downtown venue somewhere and we go to a concert. We don't do lots of concerts, but at least, you know, once a year, we will do this for somebody we really like to see. And we will, you know, drive through the narrow streets and we'll uh, go through the, you know, one-way alleys and we'll wind our way up the parking garage and climb down the staircase five floors and we'll emerge onto the crowded street and we'll begin this long walk to the venue wherever it is that we're going. And I, I enjoy these times. I want Susan to enjoy this rare treat because we never get to do it. But what she usually isn't aware of as we're sort of blissfully strolling along is that I am on high alert. I am watching everything, every person, every movement. I'm listening for every sound because the unscrupulous are looking for the naive who are unaware, especially in that setting. I want to protect what's most precious to me, and I do that by being acutely aware of what is happening around me. Awareness is prevention. So Paul here, he might not be thinking of walking through a crowded city street, but whatever's in his mind is actually similar because he's, he pretty much says as much after he says, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. In other words, in other words wisdom isn't all that important if the world is working the way it should. If, it's, if everything is holy and pure and right, but the world is not always working the way that it should. It's not always holy and pure and right. The days are evil, he says. And I sometimes wonder when I read scripture and I step back to think for a minute and I read these words and I think, if this was 2,000 years ago, if Paul wrote these words, if Paul said, if his claim was the days are evil in his day, what in the world would he think of our day? I mean, I'm not a doomsayer. Y'all, most of you know me. You've been around a little while. You know I'm not like a hellfire and brimstone kind of guy. You know that. 
But I'm with Paul on this. I mean, the days are evil. I don't usually say it that way. That's, that's not the word I usually use. I say something like, we have lost our minds. We have lost our minds. This is so jacked up. The world is totally upside down. We've thrown right and wrong out the window, and now we just all just decide what's right and wrong as if, as if we just say it, it must be so. It's insanity. So I, I look at Paul and say, you know what, Paul, you got this right. I mean, evil might not be my word choice. Maybe the voice translation actually got it right. The world has collectively become idiotic. But, but you and I, we don't have to be. We can be aware. We don't have to give in to the insanity. We can choose to be wise. How do we do that? Well, the first stop is awareness, and then you have to have understanding. That's the second way you become wise. Look again at Paul's words. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. God wants to give you the gift of wisdom. And the key to that door is found in understanding what God's will is, what God wants. What God wants defines wisdom. And the opposite of what God wants is foolishness. So look, this is super unpopular in the world we live in today. In fact, what I'm about to say, you know, it, it might just get me canceled, but here it is. What the world says is right and good is not always what God says is right and good. And doing what God wants will at least sometimes put me at odds with what our culture wants. And here's the thing, this is gonna make me sound like a real jerk. I don't care. See, my goal is to live the way God wants me to live and champion what God wants me to champion and love people the way that God wants me to love them. So if what I do and what I say and what I think and what I believe gets me in trouble with culture but gets me right with God, that's okay with me. I'm not trying to make everybody happy as long as God is happy with me. Does that make sense? Okay, now, if you've tracked with me that far, what I'm about to say next is even more important. This might be the most important thing I say, especially in the tinderbox of our culture today. So here it is. This God versus culture conversation does not give me the right to be hateful or disrespectful or dehumanizing. See, saying the days are evil is not the same thing as pointing at someone and saying that they are evil. See, I don't, that's way past my pay grade. I don't get to evaluate the state of somebody's soul. I don't get to live your life. I just get to live my life. And I am determined to live my life in a way that pursues an understanding of what God's will is because that is wisdom. And the question is, what defines wisdom for you? I mean, how have you seen wisdom lived out. I actually ask that question. Sometimes I ask a message help question on social media. And so a few weeks ago, I put that out there. I said, who's the wisest person that you've known and why? And I said, don't say Jesus. Like we all know, okay, Jesus is the answer. Like we got that. So I'm talking about somebody, somebody else. And many of you answered and you, you named somebody who is currently or has been in your life. And then you linked attributes like grit and smarts and compassion 
to why you think that person is wise. You talked about empathy. You talked about how somebody in your life gives really good advice. One person, and this is, this is among my favorite answers, said, wisdom is not always having all the answers, but knowing how to grow a person in a positive way. I really like that. So we would define wisdom differently. Wisdom, the definition of it's a little hard to nail down. Paul tells us how to get it though. He says you get it by being aware and you get it by understanding. And then he tells us the practical result. He says wisdom has a direct impact on the way we live. Be careful how you live, he says, not as unwise, but as wise. And so we know that wisdom is not, is not simply a collection of pithy sayings, no disrespect to Chinese food and fortune cookies. For wisdom to be wisdom, it has to have a practical application. Wisdom is not just philosophy. It doesn't just ponder for the sake of pondering. It seeks truth for the purpose of helping us live in that truth in a practical way such that it makes my life better and everybody's life, uh, everybody around me, their life better too, right? So if we're going to have a working definition, I have one, um, you could probably improve on it, but I would say that wisdom is the ability to see through the, through the details to the big picture and then apply the big picture back to the details. It's the ability to see through the details to the big picture and then apply the big picture back to the details. When we're in a situation, when you're in a situation, good or not so good, the view of what's really happening in that moment is often obstructed by the details that are in our way because we're in the middle of it, right? The trick is to be able to step back and seek a larger, fuller, more complete picture and discern what's really going on. And then take that larger, more complete picture and return to the moment that you're in and apply it to the decision that is right in front of you. In my mid-20s, which is a long time ago now, I was in business with some other guys and uh, they, they all had a lot of ambition. We all had a lot of ambition. And we were bidding, we were young, and you know, we thought we could conquer the world. We were bidding these large government uh, contracts, and we did all this analysis, and the analysis looked amazing. Like, it looked amazing. We all were sure we were about to get rich. And the, the analysis involved these multi-layered, intricate spreadsheets that we built. They had hundreds, maybe even thousands of numbers in them, and they calculated equipment costs and labor costs and fuel and travel, carrying costs, depreciation, financing costs, all that stuff. I was a finance major, I understood it. The bottom numbers looked amazing, but in my gut, there was this overwhelming unease. I couldn't say why. It sort of fought against the numbers. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I knew something wasn't right. And I had the chance to pull out. I had the chance to walk away and to let those guys go on without me, but I didn't. I actually refused to see the big picture because, and this is embarrassing, but here's the truth, I was mired in fear that all those guys, they were gonna get wealthy and make it to the big time and I would have opted out. And so I went along. And financially speaking, it was a catastrophic mistake. 
because I refuse to see the details, to see through the details and see the big picture, which, which was available to me, and then apply the big picture back to the details in the moment I was in. Had I done that, I would have walked away and saved myself an untold amount of pain and agony. For the record, I know better now, but learning that lesson was brutal. Still, I learned it. I mean, I did. So we have a definition of what wisdom is, but we have to go farther. We have to understand where does wisdom come from? If we know what it is, the next question is, where does it come from? Well, wisdom's source is always God's perspective. The big picture that I talked about, see through the details to the big picture, that is God's perspective. So what, what I'm asking as a follower of Jesus in any moment is, what does God see here? Especially, what does he see that I don't? How does God see this? What does he want? The psalmist wrote it like this. He said, respect for God is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. So anyone who is truly wise gained that intuitive ability they have to know what to say and when to say it and what advice to give for what to do and knowing when to be silent, all of that came out of a respect for who God is. It's the foundation of wisdom. You can't be wise without God. James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask who? You ask God, because God is the author of it. He invented it. The, the proverb declares, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God is the one who authors wisdom. He invented wisdom. You can't get wise without him. So let's go back to the Ephesians text. Don't be foolish. Don't be unwise, but be wise. And how do you be wise? You understand what the Lord's will is. That is wisdom. What God thinks is wise. He defines wisdom. Without him, you're trying to hit a target with a blindfold on. So if you, have, if you know what wisdom is, the, the, the seeing through the details to the big picture, apply the big picture back to the details, and if you know wisdom's source, which is always God's perspective, then the next logical question is, well, how do I find God's perspective? I mean, how do I get that? Well, we, we need a reference tool. And wisdom's reference guide is always the Bible. This book right here, which, which I'm holding in paper, but which is available to you in your pocket, is filled with wisdom. Some of the wisdom in the Bible is actually packaged into short sayings, much like, but altogether more valuable than the little slips of paper in a fortune cookie. These words are powerful. Words like, the words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's Proverbs 12, 18. A friend loves at all times. And there's a brother who is born for adversity. That's Proverbs 17, 17. Maybe you've heard of this one, Proverbs 18, 12. Pride comes before the fall. Maybe you didn't even know that that was a piece of wisdom in the Bible. But wisdom in the Bible is found in those little sayings, but it's also found through example. The example of stories that we can read about and learn from and gain wisdom from. Because if wisdom is finding and following God's will, then I see wisdom 
when Abraham decided to leave all he knew, all he had ever known, and start walking, even though he didn't know what he, where he was going, simply because God told him to. If wisdom is finding and following God's will, then I see wisdom in Moses standing up to power as he stared down Pharaoh. If wisdom is finding and following God's will, then, then I see wisdom in Elijah standing alone on the side of a mountain, waiting for the gentle whisper of God. If wisdom is finding and following God's will, then I see wisdom in Jesus sitting in the sand, writing silently until a broken woman was freed from her captors and freed from her sin. This is how we become wise. Wisdom is a gift that God wants to give you, but you have to receive it and then you have to pursue it. We, we do that by looking at our lives, by being aware of what's happening in us and what's happening around us, by understanding God's will with the words of the Bible as our guide. You wanna be wise? It is available to you. It is available as close as your fingertips. If you will just desire to do what God wants you to do. I mentioned earlier this catastrophic business failure and it really was awful. I refused to see the big picture. I was clouded by the details and frankly by greed and jealousy. So years later, just months before PCC was born, um, I was being courted by a church in Western, the Western part of Virginia. I was, they were looking at me to be their pastor and it was a large church, at least in my mind at the time, it was large. And I was a couple of years removed from my business failure and the bankruptcy that followed and I was slowly rebuilding you know, my finances. I was young, I had, knew, knew I had some time to do that. But this church that was talking to me about leading them, they didn't know about any of that. And I was getting some counsel from pastors who were older than me and gone before me. Uh, they had a lot of experience and they were all strongly advising me to not tell this church about any of that. They said, it's none of their business and they'll never know. But that voice, that same voice that told me to walk away from all that mess years earlier, the one I had ignored, it was screaming inside of me again to disclose. That voice was saying something like, don't spend the next years of your life looking over your shoulder wondering who's gonna uncover your secret. Don't make a secret, you just tell them. Tell them about this financial meltdown that you had. I received that voice this time as God's will. I knew he was telling me not to go with the conventional wisdom in my ear, but to listen to the wisdom that was in my heart. So I did, I did. I drove all the way out there, I sat with the team and I told that church about my bankruptcy and to my surprise and my dismay, they ended the conversation, just like that. They were gonna pick me, they picked the other guy and I came back home hurt and and wondering if I had really heard from God or if I had made the wise choice. <laughs> and then, eight months later, a group of people sat in my living room and dreamed a dream of a different kind of church. And PCC was born.
Turns out, listening to the wisdom of God, that's right smart. If I'd gone against his will again, we wouldn't be here today. Well, God would have found another way, of course, but I would have missed the blessing of being a part of it. Seek God's perspective. And when you find it, apply that to every situation in your life, no matter what. And over time, the next time somebody like me puts out this all call for, tell me about somebody wise in your life and why you think they are that way, they might just list you. A simple, single, defining characteristic would become yours, wisdom. And so we wanted to teach you the chorus of a new song today. Some, sometimes I find that a prayer of commitment I wanna to make to God is sometimes easier for me to do over and over again in a song. So this is really simple and it goes like this. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. Know just what to do. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage all of us at, at all of our campuses, wherever you are right now, let me encourage you as a, as a word of prayer to sing this with us today, right now. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. To see things like you do God, I look to you You're where my help comes from Give me wisdom You know just what to do So, may you look to God and not be overwhelmed by whatever it is that you're going through. May God give you vision to see what he sees. May you look to him knowing that he is your source of help. And may God give you wisdom because he knows exactly what to do. Amen.
Wisdom is a gift that God wants to give us. He wants us to see things like he does. And if we'll be intentional about pursuing it, we can gain that vision. Just like Brian said, we already have a reference for wisdom at our fingertips, the Bible. Now, we want to help you tap into that reference this week. So keep an eye on our social media platforms this week, where our campus pastors will be helping us walk through the book of Ephesians together. Thanks for being here. Come back next week for our Dad Fest and the final week of our swag series. We'll see you then. Mis errores afectan a toda mi familia Y todo el mundo puede ver todas mis heridas Estoy ansioso, estoy buscando la salida Vacaciones